Good morning. Welcome to Stony Brook Church. It is a absolutely beautiful day today to be able to gather in spirit and to worship our awesome Savior. We are so glad that you have joined us for worship both in person and online. Um, my name is Pastor Clara Kwan. I am, bring you greetings on behalf of our entire staff and our preacher for today, Pastor David Hoffman. And as we begin our time together, we would like to know that you are worshiping with us. Um, I invite you to check in and record your attendance by filling out the connection card, which you can find in your bulletin. Um, our online host will post that link for you. You can sign up um, through the connection card. You can sign up for events and ministry opportunities. You can also put your prayer concerns there, and we'd love to be able to pray for you in that way. And speaking of upcoming events, we have our church-wide fall kickoff that is coming up. With the cooler weather is our cool kickoff. Um, September 11th from 4.30 to 7 p.m. We'll have fun activities for all ages. We'll have a delicious food catered from City Barbecue. Um, and then we'll also have information booths about the different ministries um, and outreach opportunities that we have here at Stony Brook. And so we'd love for you, um, we'd love to know that you are going to be coming. And so if you could sign that connection card, we can plan accordingly. We also have upcoming our new members class. Um, it is, in this class, we'll discover what it means to be a United Methodist, what it means to be a member of the church. And just because you attend the class is not a commitment that you're going to join Stony Brook, um, but it is a time to learn about, um, about our church, and, learn, and meet new people and discern whether membership is the next step for you. And so this is a one-day class on Sunday, September 25th um, from 12.30 to 2.30. A light lunch will be provided. And so if you choose to join Stony Brook um, after this class, then you'll be commissioned in one of our worship services on Sunday um, in October. And so if you'd like to join the new members class, please sign up on the back of on the connection card. Lastly, uh, we are partnering with Grin to adopt Royal Manor Elementary as part of the weekend uh, supplemental food program, formerly known as the Snack Pack program. Uh, they have changed the name, uh, recognizing that students, uh, some students might not be able to get any kind of um, uh, nourishment on the weekend. And so they have changed the name to Weekend Supplemental Food. And so in addition to the kind of usual snacks that you might have given in the past, they are also looking for more hearty meals, uh, such as cans of ravioli and meal soups. And so if you uh, would like to know more, there is a full list in the narthex of all of the things that they are looking for. Uh, you can also contact Kelly Shellhammer about more information on this opportunity. You can find these and many more announcements about the life and ministry of Stony Brook in this morning's bulletin. It is also online at our church website. Um, and you can also sign up there to receive our weekly emails. And now let us prepare our hearts and minds and enter into a posture of worship with this prelude.
As you stand for this morning's call to worship, I just want to let you know Pastor Clara is visiting Sunday school classes today as a chance for her to get to know uh, the members and friends of Stony Brook better. Education is important, and that's uh, one reason why um, she is um, leaving the 930 service early, so I just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> let us join this morning's call to worship. God calls us to service. God calls us to love the unknown. We come to this time of worship. Who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let us continue our worship by singing together, Lord, speak to me. seated. Let us now enter into a time of prayer. We thank you, compassionate God, that you hear the prayer of every heart, those who rejoice at a baby's new birth, those who mourn when the circle is complete and a friend or loved one has died, those who are grateful when their work meets with success, those who suffer because no work is to be found, those who are bored having, not having enough to do, those who are tired having too much to do, those who are surrounded by the love of family and friends, those who are lonely. We thank you, God, that you hear 
the prayer of every heart, and we thank you for hearing us in every situation of life. For we all play each of these roles sooner or later. Help us as a congregation to support one another, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. For God, we want to be joined together as members of the body of Christ in unity, loving one another and serving your world. Oh God, help us. Help us to be like Jesus, to respond to each human being who crosses our path with both sensitivity and compassion. We thank you, O God, for this time in which we can bring our our concerns and our cares to you, knowing that you are a God who knows our needs, sometimes even before we have the courage to place them upon our lips. We thank you, O God, for all with which you have blessed us. We offer these prayers through the one who lives and prays with us. And now, O God, listen as we are bold to join our hearts and our voices together, practicing the unity that you would have as we pray together in one voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now our opportunity to be blessed by this beautiful team of musicians as they share their gift of music with us today.
This morning's gospel lesson comes to us from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, uh, verses 1 and then verses 7 through 14. I invite us to hear these words. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose their place of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. Make me 
Thank you so much. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. At the opening convocation four years ago at the Ohio Northern University, Maria Cronley, then provost and vice president for academic affairs, told the incoming first-year students that up until now in their lives, they had competed to be the best, to be number one, to earn first place, and to stand out. Then she said something that at first sounded like a contradiction. She said, now your job throughout your university education is not to be the best, but to be the best that you can be. Not to be the best, but to be the best that you can be. There is a difference. This is, in essence, what Jesus' message to the gathered partygoers was that, on that occasion. No longer was their journey about jostling for position on the playground. Remember playing king of the mountain on the jungle gym? That dangerous, unsafe kind of jungle gym? <laughs> The, the regulatory agencies have probably since banned. But do you remember that? Gone for us is the terror of, of waiting to be picked for teams at kickball and dodgeball, hoping not to be the last one chosen. Past for us are the moments when, when the person we thought was our, our best friend turned their back on us ever so slightly to sit at the cafeteria table with the cool kids of whom we were most decidedly not one. And, and if you were one of the cool kids, right, wearing our, our preppy alligator embroidered attire, gone for us is the constant vigilance to keep up our status. We are not called to be the best, only the best that we can be. 
Now granted, the pressures to achieve in life really never disappear for us. At times it can feel as if everyone is watching us or that there are unspoken rules against which we are expected to measure ourselves. It can sometimes feel like all of life is an interview. But it does make a difference if we are trying to be the best that we can be versus always trying to be the best. One pastor tells a story of meeting a young millennial on a train who talked about his experiences, still fresh in his mind, of interviewing for a job with several prestigious law firms. He had deduced that one of the ways of playing the game applied to the rules of ordering food in restaurants when he had a, a lunch or a dinner interview. He noticed that there was often a culture of eating that expressed itself on those occasions. Everyone ordered salads or ordered fish or ordered sandwiches. He felt it would be a good idea to take care to order something similar, to signal that he could blend in with the firm's culture, even by the food that he ate. Once he was with a group of attorneys who took him to a steakhouse and proceeded to outdo one another in ordering the most significant, most impressive pieces of meat. When it came his turn, the young man ordered prime rib with horseradish. And as the meal progressed, he continued to pick up signals that there was a definite culture of, of toughness and, and, for one of a better word, manliness at work around that table. And as they asked him questions, he became more and more convinced that he needed to do his best to appear manly and tough. <laughs> well, the food came. <laughs> and the young man cut an unusually big piece of prime rib and slathered it with horseradish. He put it in his mouth. And just at that moment, one of the lawyers asked, so Dave, tell us why you are looking at a firm so far from home. And at that very moment, tears sprang into his eyes because of his mouth full of horseradish. And he spent the next several minutes trying to wipe away what was now a stream of tears to choke down the food in his mouth and to convince this table of tough guys that he was not crying at the thought of leaving home. <laughs> Needless to say, he did not get the offer from that particular firm. Someone has said in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was always going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. Do you see where we as United Methodists get it, right? <laughs> if you have not signed up for meals with the pastors or for our fall kickoff, you can do that right now during the sermon, right? You can mark it on the back of your connection card and you can place it in the offering plate. But this time, Jesus was not only at a dinner party, but he was at a, a soiree thrown by a leader of the Pharisees. And while he was at the festivities, Jesus took note of how people were jockeying for position, seeking to have the places of, of highest honor around the table. Jesus was probably invited for several reasons. Maybe because this Pharisee was really interested in Jesus' teaching and, and what Jesus had to say. 
Or possibly he had heard that Jesus was, was a prophet and he wanted to see it for himself. Or perhaps, as Scripture says, it was merely because the Pharisees were watching Jesus closely. They wanted to keep an eye and an ear on him. What's, what's the familiar saying? Keep your friends close, but your enemies even closer, right? But what they didn't realize, though, was Jesus was watching them just as carefully. He watched who had been invited to the dinner and where they, where they were seated. And apparently it was a dinner filled with lots of famous people, and there may have even been an embarrassing moment for one or more guests simply because they might have thought too highly of themselves and the host had to ask them to move to a lower place at the table. I think that Jesus probably sat there with a half grin on his face <laughs> as he watched all of this elbowing for position amongst people of status. And Jesus' comments weren't, weren't merely meant to put him in competition with Emily Post or Martha Stewart or Miss Manners. Jesus' remarks had nothing to do with etiquette, but everything to do with the kingdom of God. At this dinner, Jesus, Jesus basically gave them two pieces of advice for life in the kingdom of God. The first piece of advice had to do with honor and humility. And today we don't have the, the societal pecking order that was in place in Israel during the first century. Back then their culture and, and tradition were filled with levels and strata. And one's position in the system depended upon several things. Some of it was based on, on one's job and profession. Some of it was based on one's family and with whom one was related and some of it still was based on the amount of one's yearly offering to the temple or synagogue. However, everyone socialized together when there was a special occasion, like a wedding. Sort of like living in a small town. But when they gathered during these special occasions, everyone had their place. And supposedly everyone knew their place at the table, by their position in society or, or the synagogue. Because everyone wanted to be elevated in their status, there was a lot of effort to keep everyone else in their place. But Jesus stands all their tradition on its head. This is how Eugene Peterson in the message translates it. He says, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor, somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. Then he'll come and call you out in front of everybody. You're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this man. Red-faced, you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. Let me pause here in Eugene Peterson's translation. Do you know where the last place left was for the Hoffman family? The kids' table. <laughs> he continues, when you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, come up to the front. That will give the dinner guest something to talk about. 
What I'm saying is this, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be, to simply, if you're content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. In essence, the kingdom of God is not about being first or being the best. It's about being the best that you can be. And a part of that involves humility and putting others first. Jesus calls us to put aside our pride and wrap ourselves in humility and self-forgetfulness in our lives and in all of our relationships. Jesus' second teaching at this dinner party had to do with the guest list. Not only did Jesus criticize their posturing for position, he also criticized who they had invited. You see, they were inviting all of the important people or people who could help them or pay them back, leaving out the outcasts and those at the edges of society. There was nothing selfless about this list. They didn't seem to care that, they're, that while they were schmoozing, there were others starving both physically and spiritually just outside the doors of the banquet hall. So Jesus challenged them to be more conscious of the poor and the outcast. He called them and he calls us to be more aware of those who are different and forgotten by society. Jesus reminded the Pharisees and the crowd and us, it isn't about the position you hold, how much you give or who you are in society that counts. What counts is what's on the inside. And when we judge by outer appearances only, then we've missed out. We're called not to be the best but the best that we can be. The story is told about a man who was trying to start his motorcycle to give all the kids a ride. His two daughters, three nephews, and two nieces were all hovering around, pushing and shoving, hollering, trying to get the first ride. And frustrated by the noise and the motorcycle's reluctance to start, he finally said, all right, the next one who says they want to be first will be last. His youngest daughter thought for a moment and then said, I want to be second. <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite what Jesus had in mind. <laughs> but it does bring us back to the passage and, and to the challenge before us. The challenge for us is to live a life of self-forgetfulness, a life of humility, not to be concerned with being the best, but, but instead being the best that we can be. A life that is more con concerned about what's on the inside and looks beyond the outward appearance and views others through the eyes of Christ. Friends, if we can do that, we can make a difference in our family, in our neighborhood, in our community, we can make a difference in the world. Help us, help us, oh God, to see and experience those around us as our brothers and sisters who are equally invited and equally blessed.
May it be so. Amen. Friends, as we enter our time of offering this day, I bring you um, a report that we've collected nearly $3,000 for the Wings of the Morning Ministry in the North Katanga Conference of the United Methodist Church. Um, it's great that we are part of a connectional church that reaches beyond our community and into the world. We know and trust that that money will make a difference and be multiplied in the lives of many. It is now our opportunity to give back to God a portion of what God has entrusted to our care. If you're worshiping online, you're invited um, to use our online giving or you can mail your donation to church. And if you are with us in, in, in the sanctuary, you're invited um, uh, to place your offering in the plates as the ushers um, bring the plates around to us. You can also place your connection card there in our offering plates. Friends, I invite the ushers to wait upon us this day.
all things come from you, O God, and with gratitude we return to you what is yours. You created all that is, and with love formed us in your image. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. All that we are and all that we have is a trust from you. And so, in gratitude for all your gifts, we offer you ourselves and all that we have in union with Christ's offering for us. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all your world. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. the challenge is upon us, not to be the best, but to be the best that we can be, and instill that challenge in others, point out each other's gifts, show one another how they have been gifted by the Spirit, by God's grace, to be the best that they can be. And friends, that'll make a difference in this world. Let us go forth in God's care, knowing that God has gifted us, that God walks right beside us. Amen. Thank you.